Hello, and welcome to Atta Girls, a place where we share the experiences of women working and studying in the engineering industry. I'm Lauren, and today we will be talking with student engineer Lucy Ma. Lucy is in her third year at the University of Toronto, pursuing a Bachelor of Science in the Engineering Science program with a major in Biomedical Engineering, a minor in Business and Robotics, and a Certificate in Artificial Intelligence. Her interests and strengths lie at the intersection of these areas of study, as she loves working with a multidisciplinary team and integrating a diversity of perspectives to make the most of everyone's expertise. Lucy is most inspired by neuroscience and biotechnology, where she hopes to contribute her engineering skills and knowledge to provide better patient care and facilitate medical processes. Thank you so much, Lucy, for speaking with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's just jump right into it. What inspired you to pursue engineering? Yeah, um, it's it's a bit of a story because before choosing engineering at UFT, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Um, I loved medicine and I loved uh, the solution they have for diseases and things like that. But as I researched more into it, I realized that I was more interested in like the technology aspect of that and how um, like there are so many things you can do with the genome now, like you can engineer it. And that was when the first concept of engineering entered my mind. And I thought that was incredibly cool that there's a specific area of study that's meant just for that. Um, and so I decided to look into engineering. And for anyone who wants to pursue engineering, I think a huge motivation you got to have is an interest for how things work. Um, because to really excel in engineering, you have to be able to spot a problem, know how to fix it, or at least be motivated to find a solution for how to fix it. So I personally really wanted to be a part of that discussion and make an impact in, in that kind of a way. So yeah, that's why I picked engineering. Wow, that's that's quite a, an interesting way of thinking about it. I think having that mindset <laughs> is very important. So thank you for that insight. So um, can you give us a little taste of what you've been studying these past years? Sure. So my program is called um, Engineering Science. And after two years, you specialize in one of the majors. So my major is Biomedical Engineering. And some of the things that we've done are things like um, genetic, uh, genomic technologies, for example, CRISPR, uh, you can edit a gene um, and they teach you how to design primers and things like that for experiments. Uh, you learn a little bit about protein engineering. Most of what I've learned in third year so far has been very chemistry biology based with one course that's in omic technologies. So um, it's a lot of like foundation building before next year where I get to do a thesis and a capstone. So I get to find a research that I'm interested in and write a thesis on that, as well as do a design uh, project, which is the capstone project. So both are ways to develop more on the theoretical aspect of biomedical engineering, as well as putting that into applications. So um, and there are different areas of focus for my major as well. For example, if you really love neurotech, there's a neural rehab option for that. There is uh, an option for medical devices if you're interested in developing those. So 
yeah, that's, that's generally what my major is all about. Wow. That sounds so cool. So much fun <laughs> designing your own projects and writing mm-hmm. a thesis. Do you have any ideas what you might want to further dive into? Oh, great question. Um, <laughs> that has changed several times over the past few months, really. I've, I've been really interested in protein engineering. Right now, I'm doing an internship on that, uh, looking to how you can tweak with the protein designs and um, how you can use that for curing some diseases or as like a drug treatment for certain things. So that's really interesting to me right now. And the whole topic about, for example, bioinformatics, how you collect data in biology, that's a whole study on its own. And there's, there's a lot of um, programming knowledge that you need for that. Um, and I really love learning about genetic technology. So, I mean, for thesis topic, it's all up for grabs for me right now. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking into those fields. And the last thing I'm really interested in is space medicine, oh, which wow. is how, yeah, how biology works differently in space. I, I'm having trouble finding like a thesis project for it right now at UFT at least. But um, if I do find something, that would be so cool to pursue. Wow. The intersection of biology and in space, space medicine, I think that would be really interesting to see what happens in that field. Mm-hmm. So you've talked about engineering science. What exactly differentiates it from other programs at U of T? Great question. I went into NSI asking the same question. What the hell is NSI? <laughs> so in the first two you learn everything from uh, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, like you learn a little bit about each of the majors. um, And they, they set up a curriculum where you get to experience all the different majors before you uh, pick a major. But the difference between like a general option versus NSCI is NSCI really focuses on the integration of math, science, engineering, and some arts principles. So it dives a lot into like scientific research and the theories behind the science rather than uh, learning straight away about how you apply things. So it's more about um, theory rather than applications. But you do eventually end up bridging that gap between scientific theory and applications. And if the goal of it is try to develop like a mindset that's interdisciplinary. So after two years, even though you choose a major, they hope that you keep in mind of what you've learned from other disciplines. And that should give you a unique perspective when you are trying to tackle certain engineering challenges. Wow. And and you're enjoying it, obviously. Yeah, I love it. That's one of the reasons why I stuck with NSI. It's so difficult in terms of like, grasping all the theories well um, because it, it would have been easy if it was just memorization and things like that but for a lot of equations that we learn you have to understand how it works you have to know how to derive it and that takes a lot out of you trying to learn that aspect it's it can get quite dry and draining sometimes but you have to like develop an appreciation for the math and for the dryness of the subjects but eventually it's all worth it because then you walk out of the classroom and you're like, wait a second. Now I see the world differently because I learned about this principle that seemed so useless in class, but then you realize, wow, it's applied everywhere. Uh, For example, calculus in in high school, you never learn the applications of calculus. And they always say like, Oh, calc is useless after high school. Well, it's not necessarily true because there's so many non-math related things that are based upon calculus which just fascinates me. So that's that's a huge takeaway that I learned from Inchai. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's hard, but I love it. <laughs> That's great. After you come out of these lectures all inspired, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that are apparent in like biomedical engineering at the moment? Mm. Challenges in biomedical engineering. Well, f- one of the first things is resource, having the access to resources. Uh, U of T, we're very lucky to have access to a lot of labs and expensive equipment, but it's not the case for all universities and all around the world, there are people interested in biomed engineering. So to really um, push on the industry and make it make the innovations advance, you need collaboration. You need not just UFT people, but also people at other universities who are interested to gain access to the same equipment so that they can, you know, uh, do their research and things like that. So that's a huge barrier is in order to do a lot of things that we want to do now, because we understand so much about biology already, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things on like a micro level. Like we want to understand how the, the genome works or how the protein works and how things smaller than the protein works. And that requires such precise equipment. And they're often really expensive as well. So I, I'd say that's one huge barrier. Another would be programming, actually, because one critique I would have for my major is they don't teach you enough programming mm-hmm. um, and they focus so much on the theory that you don't learn some like the most basic things where if you just do like this, uh, this one course in Python and you focus just on the simple skills, then you realize, wow, I can like do so many projects with it. Um, and in, in, in biomed engineering, there's so much data that you need to analyze that requires you to have some kind of programming background. Mm-hmm. So I'd say like that's another barrier specifically for students studying biomed. And the final thing would be ethical considerations. There are a lot of experiments that, that are done or can be performed that are great for humanity, but um, some are uh, would potentially violate ethical um, policies and things like that. And for example, like a common, a common subject, I guess, is like, have you heard of like designer babies like you can change the genome oh can you expand on this designer yeah so essentially you'll you'll literally have babies growing from labs because now they have found a way to design your genome so that you have the certain traits that you want so say if you want your babies to have green eyes and black hair well guess what now you can just design your baby by editing the genome um and that sounds like shallow on its own but for example, if you have a genetic uh, disease that's passed down from generation to generation and you don't want your kid to have it, then they can completely knock out the part of the gene that is responsible, uh, responsible for that disease, in which case it would save lives because there's so many of those genetically related diseases that kill newborns before they even get to, let's say, three months old. So in that way, it would help, um, it, w- it would help a lot of parents. Um, but but then there are things like, should you really play the role of God? Because that's not necessarily ethical for you to, if you can change that thing about a baby, then you can change whatever you want about the baby. Um, and there are a lot of problems with ethics that come up with that. So that's a good example. It's not necessarily a barrier on its own, but it's definitely like um, it, it slows down the progress of research in that, in that area. So we just really need good guidelines that are based on ethic considerations to guide our research so that we can advance them without crossing lines where it would be considered unethical. Wow, I didn't really consider all those ethical dilemmas that might arise. 
And yeah, me neither. When I was learning in high school, I was like, wow, that's so cool. I want to do that. And then in university, they make you write a paper on why is this a problem? And then you realize, oh, okay. <laughs> like it seems like one of those dystopian novels where it actually right? happened. And now we've gotten to that point where we can do yeah. that. Wow. <laughs> so aside from all the, these like bioethics and challenges, what has been your experience at UFT so far? Mm. I love U of T. I did spend the last year and a half at home because of COVID, but man, I love the campus. It's so beautiful. um, And it's so inspiring walking through the campus. That's one of the reasons why I chose U of T over other campuses is because I really wanted to find a university where I can feel motivated to study and do what I want to do. And if you've ever walked like near U of T, there's a street called University Street. And it's basically like as you walk down this like giant road, um, you, you see like buildings beside you that are just large uh, research facilities like Sick Kids and UHN, and it really like motivates you to keep learning what you want to learn and like think about questions like, oh, I wonder what they're doing up there in those buildings, and then you look into their labs and you find so many cool researches. Um, so that's one thing that I love about UFT. Is, is, is the environment and also the people. Everybody is so down to earth. I have really loved people in my program so far, even though it's such a hard uh, major, nobody's like, nobody's kind of like, oh, I don't want you to do well so that I can do better. Everybody is competitive, but in a healthy way. They want each other to do their best because competition is how you uh, derive innovations out of. Uh, when you have people trying to find different solutions and then pick the best solutions out of them, that's how you find the best solutions to a lot of problems. So people really appreciate that kind of a mindset. So it's not like there's no toxicity in, in my program. So I'm really grateful for that. And finally, it's just the professors and the research that, that's happening at UFT. It's, um, it's also cutting edge. There's so many things you can do. It can be an information overload sometimes, but Um, you really can't go wrong with any research happening here because everybody is so talented and so, so, um, so knowledgeable. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's great. And, and going back to engineering science, or at least when you were in the application stages, what made you decide to go to engineering science versus other, you know, engineering programs? Mm. Definitely the multidisciplinary perspective, because even though I love medicine, I've always been really interested in space, um, in robotics and AI. And I wanted a major that would introduce me to all of those aspects uh, and not limit me to just studying one thing. So that's something that I really loved. And also I just wanted a challenge because honestly, (laughs) I'm so good at finding like the next difficult thing for me to tackle that sometimes it can get really overwhelming. Like I I overload myself with projects all the time. Um, But that's what I find enjoyable is when I, I am able to overcome a challenge or do something that's considered difficult. Um, it's, it's a really rewarding experience. So I wanted to just put myself through the process and see if I could, if I, if I could succeed. So. Definitely. We hear exercise for the challenge. It's great to see that you're thriving and enjoying it. <laughs> and speaking of, you know, overcoming these challenges, you're currently doing your co-op at Bombardier. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And what's that like? How, what is it like going into the field after learning all these theory and finally putting it into application? I have to say it was a breath of fresh air because 
I would say for my major, it's really hard to find a co-op job that is a direct application of what you do. So, and I went into co-op knowing that. So when I was looking for jobs, there weren't a lot of biomed related jobs. Even if something is from a biotech company, they were looking for programmers to do a very specific task or project managers or marketing. There wasn't anything like research-based. So, which is understandable because we only have two years of education. Like what what can we contribute to your company that has PhD people, you know? (laughs) Um, So it it, it made sense. So I I went in looking for a co-op opportunity that would give me the most learning experience and grow as a a person. That that sounds so cliche, but there is no other way to phrase it because I I feel like I matured in a way that I didn't in university, focusing so much on academics, doing well in the midterms, the final. Finals, um, that I didn't focus on who I am as a person and how how important social skills are. So in high school, I really loved like taking on leadership activities. But then in first and second year, things got so overwhelming that I kind of just quit a lot of the clubs that I was in. And then finding a job and then having to interact with a team of people, I realized wow, so this is what real world looks like. Nobody cares what school you went to. Nobody care what you got on your last midterm. What they do care about is who you are, how you work with people, and what you can bring to the company. And uh, it's not always something technical, right, that they appreciate. So my job is as a project management intern, so I, uh, or project engineering is the actual title. So I work with um, a lot of engineers, a lot of project managers, and um, and I've, I'm so lucky to meet a lot of female engineers at the company, too, which is so rare to see, given that there's so many barriers for female engineers to enter the industry. So that was really inspiring. So, yeah, a, a taste of real world was uh, was exactly what I needed before I go back to fourth year. Um, yeah. Wow. So you previously mentioned you, um, one of your co-ops or internships was related to protein management. Can you mm-hmm. also expand on that? Yeah, sure. So that's something I'm currently working on is um, h- how you can. Uh, the, OK, the, the project is how do you identify proteins that interact with other proteins in, in, in a certain way? So without going to any details, it involves understanding how proteins work, what their structures look like. And I write Python scripts to work with existing data that's on um, that we already have from proteins and manipulating the structures. So let's say you can mutate a part of the protein and see how it changes its interaction with other, uh, with other amino acids. So that was really cool to see that from home on my laptop, I could conduct a science experiment. (laughs) And there's so many cool bio tools out there too, uh, to help with that. Um, And they've made it really accessible for people all over the world to use it for free. That was awesome. So yeah, so that's my internship that I'm doing outside of Bombardier at the moment. Wow, that seems like you have a lot on your plate. And I told you I'm good at doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's so cool. And on top of that, you're also part of Neurotech UFT. What is that? Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So Neurotech UFT is a essentially a design team composed of multiple disciplines. So we have EEG research. So people that are focused primarily on the biology side of things, on the neuroscience, how the brain works, um, how neurons fire, what those signals mean. And then we have a 
software team or like machine learning focused on signal processing. So as we take in that brain signal, how do we make it meaningful? How do we get meaningful data out of it? And then we have a hardware team that makes, let's say, the headset. So um, that would be the electrodes that are detecting the signals and also people working with, let's say, robot. It could be a drone. It could be a hand that you control with your mind. Uh, one of our current projects right now is a mind-controlled keyboard. So using your brainwaves, we want to just use brainwaves to type, um, to allow a person to type on a keyboard. So that's something that we're focused on right now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I started in the club as a general member, actually, learning from a workshop. And then I became a mechanical engineering student. And then I became the hardware team lead. So finally, now I'm here as co-president of operations, overseeing like the, the marketing, the outreach, and a part of the project still. Um, so, so yeah, more, more so on the management side, but I do still work with the project teams to help them navigate their projects. And it's, I've learned a lot about how you, you can adapt a design team virtually because it was a huge challenge at first. So much of our projects rely on hardware that we needed people in person to do. So I've, I've learned how to build that community virtually and um, still have these multidisciplinary teams to work together. That was a huge learning experience. Wow, those technologies that you're developing, that sounds so interesting and so apropos to our society. So <laughs> It's fun, it's fun. Wow, that's really amazing. And also in the past, you conducted atomic physics research and you mentioned you developed a rubidium atomic clock. Can you mm. tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I wasn't a huge part of the development of the clock itself. That theory, uh, all like the theory, the calculations, um, experiment was run by graduate students. So I joined in into the lab um, later on in that project phase. So, but I can tell you what it's about because it was so, it, it was a lot trying to learn what it was. Essentially, um, the whole name of the project is called the stratospheric optical rubidium clock experiment, or it stands for source. So uh, essentially we built an atomic clock and then we sent it up on a balloon, like a literal hot air balloon into mm -hmm. the stratosphere to see how, how it works up there. Um, and the idea is when you think of real clocks that you use, like let's say in your living room, clocks operate by counting a reoccurring event. So it could be the ticking of a second hand or like a swing of a, uh, of a pendulum. So the reoccurring event for atomic clocks in parallel would be the natural oscillation of an atom. Mm -hmm. And that can be at frequencies in like a hundred seconds of a terahertz. It's very small. So that means they tick about a quadrillion times per second. That's a very, very high frequency. And it could give us remarkable tiny resolution and stability. So we really wanted to use that kind of a clock for space-based missions because normal clocks that we use on the ground um, are not accurate enough for a lot of experiments that they need clocks for. So this would give us the precision that they need in space. And Source was supposed to be like the first compact, portable, and remote, remotely operated atomic clock. And that was our project. So what I did on the team was I helped put together the like the laser beams because that's the circuit that made up the clock. Um, I helped them calibrate it. I learned a lot about um, how lasers work and how optics work. 
So then I designed a box that would hold the structure of the atomic clock. And the box is about like, um, it's about uh, like, um, how can I compare it to? It's about like the size of a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, but the height would be like a little bit bigger, like the, the height of your head, let's say, and then the, the surface area of, of your laptop. Mm-hmm. So that would contain the clock. And then we literally drove up to Timmins, uh, Ontario, where we went to CSA launch site and we launched the um, experiment on a balloon. And um, yeah, that, w- that was a cool experience. Wow, that sounds like so much fun. And, <laughs> and wow, this like, oh, that sounds incredible. And so after doing all these projects, where do you see yourself in the coming years? Mm. Um, I'm still asking myself that question right now. In the, in the near future, I want to finish my degree in biomedical engineering and I want to go to grad school. So I want to learn more about a specific field in biomed. What that field is, I have no idea yet. There's so many things I'm interested in, but what I, what I know I love is the intersection between different fields, mm-hmm. um, for example, between biology and space um, or between neuroscience and, and AI. So I, I love it when like different fields intersect and that's where I want to be specifically, which of those intersections, I don't know just yet. Um, but, but yeah, I, I want to finish grad school and uh, find, find my own research. Maybe um, I've also considered startups as well, but I think that's better for me later down the line because I really enjoy management. I love business. So yeah. Wow. Well, best of luck with all your future endeavors. It seems like <laughs> definitely going to be quite a lot of fun at the intersection of all those like unique yeah. fields. I often say I feel like I'm running out of time and then people look at me weird and they're like, you're like, well, you're only 21 and you feel like you're running out of time. And I'm like, oh, so many years went by, you know, like in COVID time just flew by and I feel like, like, what have I done? I know I've done a lot, but it's just, it's hard to feel, um, feel like, all of your experiences were really rewarding when they aren't necessarily tangible because everything is done virtually. So, um, so I'm hoping to also change my mindset about that, but, but yeah. And, and, um, and if I have learned anything from, from doing that, like reflection on myself and thinking into the future of what I want to do, I would definitely give people the advice of like, appreciate the experiences that you have trying to do what you want to do like you don't necessarily have to produce anything in order to be um to be like productive in any way if you if you learn a cool skill over the weekend or an instrument over the weekend like that's that's a lot of uh, success that you should celebrate so um don't let like the toxicity of like productivity get to you because that can be it's a it's, it's a huge problem in universities so yeah Wow, those are quite the words of wisdom. We all <laughs> needed to hear that. Yeah, especially like it, it, like it doesn't have to be tangible, as you said. It's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And as you've given us all this great advice, do you have any last words or last pieces of advice you would give students wishing to pursue engineering? Yeah, Um I, I, I do have advice and it's not necessarily for engineering. I think it applies to any fields and that, that is to be self-aware. The world urges you to learn about the world so, so much that you forget to learn about yourself. And 
that can be really confusing sometimes because that's when you have an existential crisis of like, what the hell do I do with my life? You really need to focus on what you like. Think about what you've tried. Like try a bunch of different things when you're young and then reflect on those experiences and ask yourself, what did I enjoy? What did I not enjoy? And then use those to frame your future. Um, and then if you're, say, if you really, say if you have a huge ambition and you want to go to Mars, you don't have to be an astronaut to do that. You can think about, okay, what are some skills or backgrounds and knowledge that you need in order to be a part of a mission to Mars? And then you'll realize there's so many opportunities. You don't have to be the first person to do anything or to study a very specific field. Don't constrain yourself. Allow yourself to explore all the possible opportunities. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and just be self-aware, like be aware of what you like and not what, not what other people want you to like, because if you open the news and you see, wow, Elon Musk is doing this thing in Neurable, I have to get in the neurotech industry. Well, that's not always true, right? Like people, some people really know how to market themselves um, and you have to learn what you like so that they don't influence what you want to be. Because when you're so young and so malleable, one of the things you don't want to happen to yourself is you become someone that other people want you to be rather than someone mm -hmm. you want to be. So um, I'm talking like I'm a 50 year old, but <laughs> if I had to give any advice that's like useful to anybody of any age, it, it would be that. <laughs> wow, that is definitely so useful. And I think we can all feel those effects of being sculpted into what society oh, yeah. wants to mm -hmm. be or our own influences. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And if our listeners would like to connect with you, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, you can use my email. So uh, it's L-U-C-Y-X-I-N-Y-U-M-A at utoronto, at mail.utoronto.ca. I guess I'll just type it to you. Maybe if you have like a website or something, you can, you can put it up there. But um, yeah, you can always find me on Facebook. It's just Lucy Ma. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Like I'll always answer on LinkedIn as well. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me any anyway. Thank you. I will post all the contact information in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Lucy, for this insightful discussion. I know I learned a lot and this was really inspiring to see all the wonderful things you can do, all the things that you can create and aspire to be through engineering. So thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. I love the fact that you guys have this podcast, like Atta Girls. That's amazing. Like, I wish I listened to these when I was in high school. So it's so amazing that you're celebrating women's role in engineering specifically. Um, and I'm, I, it's, it's my pleasure to be uh, a guest here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Atta Girls and stay tuned for next week's episode.